Oh, well, it, it's been a while. It's been a while. So we talked about it last time. We we pre-recorded some stuff. Yes. To buffer ourselves over the holidays, so we wouldn't have to come in on New Year's Eve or something and record a new one. Yep. Yep. We were successful at that bit. We, and we, then we did the WebRTC one, which is slightly <laughs> reactionary. <laughs> what? And, no. <laughs> and then, I, but we did that. Yeah, that was the last one we recorded, but we, not the last but one we, we put out. No, we, yes. Oh, Timelines. Right, but it's, and it's weird because like, I'm, like, you know, if I'm going to talk about some stuff that I've done recently, which is something we, we tend to do, my, my opener would be, I've been on holiday, <laughs> which was my opener in the last <laughs> podcast that went out. Even though that was four months ago, <laughs> basically, it's so like oh, I'm on holiday all the time. You know, it's pretty the much life of Devrel, really. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so, but I did. I, it was. Um, I spoke. It was at, part work, part holiday, right? Yes, I spoke at JSConf Asia. Um, I gave a talk about the event loop, and that was. I was in Singapore, and I thought, well, if you're going to go all that way, you actually have talked about the event loop. I think for the last three podcasts, because you've been right. working on this talk for a while, <laughs> right? And and every web spec has something to do with the event loop at some point, especially if you're working you with workers, you know? So, mm. um, yeah, so it's been like that thing I've been dealing with feels like for years. So, yes, <laughs> everything has been to do with the event loop. So I thought, I'm going to write a talk about it. So I, so I did. Oh. Um, I'm going to talk about it now because I'm sick of it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sick about it because I've, I've, you know, given a talk in uh, Jay's Confasia, yeah, smashing in, in London. I'm going to Liverpool next week to speak about it there. So so this, this can be Milk my it, holiday like really from the event loop. Milk it. That talk so took we, me a long time to write. Like, it's a good the, talk. We're just going to put it in the description, I oh, think. We'll link it. Right? Yeah, that's the only reason I'm mentioning it now. So we so have a reason to put it in the description. Got to get those views in. That's how I stay employed. Like that's, and subscribe. Like, exactly. Because, <laughs> you know, I don't know. It, listeners probably don't know that if the, the way it works is every quarter or two quarters or whatever it is, uh, we have to justify our existence, right? It's the Pretty quarterly much. review. List all the things you, d- you did. And then someone goes, you can stay. <laughs> so That's pretty much how it goes. And, and more views well. means you're more likely to stay. Yes, I exactly. So if so, people who are watching, like uh, listening to this podcast or watching a video version of it, uh, if you skip an episode, you might, <laughs> you might get us fired. So and me deported. Yes. <laughs> Look, that's it. And yeah, Summer's residency in the UK is on the line. Think about that. <laughs> Think about that before you like skip watch the next responsibly. Video. Yeah, watch it at home. Watch it at work. Uh, on it, your phone in the tube, like picture in picture, have it on the bottom left of the. <laughs> steal your friend's phone. Put it on that. Um, Rick, Rick roll people, but using <laughs> HP two or three. God, if we could make that happen, oh. we would be sorted. So should like, we do like? Of views? Should we do like a? Cover version slash reenactment. So we <laughs> well, so I actually got some feedback on on that. Um, oh boy, uh, this was from uh, Zach Leverman. Uh, this was at, he was speaking at Smashing. He gave a great talk about uh, web font loading, um, but he was saying like one video that he really like of ours that he really went for was uh, the one we did about weightless CSS, or which, as I like to call it specificity CSS. Yes, specificity. <laughs> and and that's the thing is we called it. Weightless CSS, because it, the feature didn't really have a name. It might have one now. But it, if it did have a name, it would be mm-hmm. that thing we can't say. Specificityless CSS, which right. is the worst name you could possibly choose. So weightless CSS, it's not a thing. It's just a thing we made up. But that caught his interest. He thought, whoa, weightless? That sounds like in space? CSS in space? What's going on? So that's what we need to do from now on, is that anything we talk about, we need to come up with 
So we, uh, a we've... made up name. <laughs> just, I don't think it matters if it's related. Just, just make up. The thing when you said weightless CSS in that episode, I was thinking you mean like zero size CSS, oh. like it has no weight on the network and some like. But that doesn't make sense. How... Well, it could mean as well that if you um, like if you scroll a page, if you apply the inertia <laughs> of scrolling, you stop scrolling and the weightless elements just continue. <laughs> There's no friction. There's no, they continue to rise. They're gone. You'll never see those ever again. I kind of want to have this as an element now. Well, if we've got position sticky, we should have position frictionless. You just, you just scratch and you just, just fly off. The pieces, yep, exactly. You rotate the device, the pieces fall around. Uh, yeah, exactly. Oh, yes. Right, OK. Yes. I'm, I'm going to so build that. That's decided. Um, so one thing that I saw in Singapore that, that I'd noticed in a lot of places before, and it really annoys me, have you noticed this thing where you go to a landmark, a place of importance, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say uh, this definitely definitely happens in on the uh, Empire State Building. It happened in yeah. uh, one of the Singapore towers. Uh, as you kind of queue or whatever, you were mm -hmm. taken into a room or a thing or a bit to a green screen, right? You experienced this? No, I have not. And there's a person there with a camera, and they they, they always channel the queue through it. So you, it's difficult to avoid. Oh, okay. And so you, you stand there against the green screen and. You smile because they go, like, and then smile everyone, and then like as you leave the thing or at some point they will try and sell you the photo. But what they've done is they've used the magic of computers, right, to make the it green look, screen. yeah, to make it look like you're at the Empire State Building, right? But who? Yes, <laughs> you you've hit upon my frustration here. <laughs> to be fair, I had this at the London Zoo where you come in and you take a picture. It's not a green screen, but it's legit just painted on jungle. And you're like, I was at the Berlin Zoo jungle. At the end, they tried to sell it to you. It's like, at least let me take a picture with an actual animal. You have a couple of them. Right, right. They, but yeah, why use a painting or the magic of computer technology to make it look like you are at the place you actually are? <laughs> right? And it, and it normally is just a picture of you with like the Empire State Building in the background or something that's like, well, if we're going to do this, you should mix it around a bit. Like, I go to the, I go to the Statue of Liberty, make it look like I'm on the moon <laughs> with the Statue of Liberty. Or, like, you know, um, Planet of the Apes. That would be a good one. That's, you know. And underwater. Uh, underwater, an aquarium. That would be better. <laughs> but it's never that. And it reminded me of, uh, I went to Verona. My, my girlfriend was like, insistent we sort of do this, this bit of tourism, this thing. Because what they have in Verona is they have the balcony. Right? The balcony. The balcony. Okay. From Romeo and Juliet. Oh. And this is really popular, right? Wait, but it's is Romeo and Juliet a real story? No. No, <laughs> it is a fictional story. <laughs> is it even set in Verona? It is set in Verona, but the hmm. I mean, I did a little bit of searching and it seems very much in doubt whether Shakespeare ever went to Verona. <laughs> ever went to Italy, maybe. It's, so I was, because I remember standing there, and there's people everywhere taking photos, um, putting, you know, when people put padlocks on railings as a kind of, yeah, that, that thing. And I was just standing in my head going, well, you know, this is something for me to tell the grandchildren, isn't it? That I, here I am, standing right at the place where the thing that didn't happen actually didn't happen. <laughs> I, uh, did you take a selfie? <laughs> no, I did not take a selfie. <laughs> This is a balcony that has nothing to do with Romeo and Juliet, let's be honest. Right. <laughs> Someone has just decided, like, you know, 
could we do that? Like, just like say, the, oh, oh, yeah, this this Google building. This is the uh, this is the place. This this is the obelisk from <laughs> Space Two Thousand and One. Like, that's yeah. where that happened. It, you know, it, it just cash in on it because it seemed to work really well for yeah. Corona. We should probably do that. So, for Christmas, mm. we did twelve videos. We did. All of these 12 videos had the same introduction, and we just phrased them slightly differently. And so you can watch them independently, and people caught up on that. <laughs> yes, yes. We were running out of ways of saying the same thing over and over again. <laughs> Pretty and, much. But that series of videos, that was fun, because we decided yeah. to do that about 20 minutes before we, we did it. Right? Yeah, we were like, here's an idea. Yeah, because the, the, you know, the video team that we've got here doing, doing the magic behind the cameras. They, yeah, uh, in a oh, restaurant, sorry. just having a glass of water, and yes. you have nothing. We've got our menus here, <laughs> which are definitely not notes. <laughs> um, but we, I think they, they said, oh, we should do something for Christmas. And we'd like, our video. And everyone's yeah. like, okay, how about 12 videos? <laughs> and, and you have to edit them all. Yes. <laughs> and it was a long pause. And kind of, okay. <laughs> but we thought, that's a good idea. So yeah. it kind of went, and okay. Well, kind of liked it. So we thought we'll continue doing it. <laughs> and, but but we, we need a name for the segment. What, what is it? Is it the... Two-minute speedrun of the web. Two-minute speedrun. That's pretty good. Because I was thinking of like HTTP two or three in two, and <laughs> you, but it's just too many numbers. Then really, isn't it? I mean, so, you can drive it home. Yeah, the two, I, or, two or three speedrun. Okay. Yeah, it's like a mini section that we could just you know we should, you should probably do twelve every time. You know, no, 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 let's no. Do no, one no, no. each. No. I would say. Yeah, we'll do one each each time we record. I mean, maybe put them in the one one videos. Like this is the two-minute speedrun, so it would be a four-minute video because it's two two-minute speedruns. Oh, we'll do two separate videos. We're going to milk oh. it. Oh, yeah, we'll, mil we'll milk yeah. the views for this, okay. I assume. So, um, um, it will make us look like really prolific. It's like I'm pushing out so many videos. But to make it work, like we're probably going to have to do, do still the have intro the sound? each time. I see. Here's a question. Because the sound we used was, oh, it was Christmas. Christmas <laughs> so maybe we so, shouldn't be using it. So now I'm using it as a generic we should, alarm. We, voice, should, so. we should get a new one. We'll so. get a new one. But this time, it's just generic alarm. So OK, for this time, that's cool. Next time, we should at least use our intro, maybe in an 8-bit version or something. Uh, oh, I'll go right. and compose that, shall I? OK, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> so right. we're probably going to have to do the intro again, right? Isn't that? <laughs> Wasn't that just the intro that we're going <laughs> to? Oh, that could be it, yeah. Four okay. minutes of babbling for an intro to a okay. two-minute section. Well, let's keep it short this time. So two minutes, you're going to talk about a thing. You can do the first one. Um, and what are you going to talk about? Um, I'm going to talk about my recent explorations with Webpack and Workers. You have two minutes. Go. Workers. Yes, I'm aware of them still. I think this is a co copy of exactly what we said in the previous episode. <laughs> but yes. now imagine you want to have module loading in Workers. You can have that. That's the, the import function. But it's not uh, available not in Workers anywhere. Yes. yes. So for now, you can't. Okay. But so I so, said, okay, cool. Let's use something like roll up a webpack where you basically transform the syntax into just like inlining the things or loading somehow with some other mechanism. Right. Workers yeah. of input script, the main thread has script tags, so you can emulate the behavior. Yes. So I looked into webpack and I was trying to build a little app that has logic in the worker and UI in the main thread and had some modules that were shared between the main thread and the worker. 
Ah, right. Now, and this is something you can deal with because you can have, like you say, your main page just including it as a script tag yeah. or a dynamic import, and your worker can use that horrible import script synchronous function. But it works. Exactly. It so works. yeah, and my thought was, Webpack should figure this out, right? Like it should see, oh, this is shared code. Let's put this in a separate file. So Using its commons chunking stuff. So exactly. it, it realizes, oh, here's the common bit. I'll put that into a separate file. Right, problem solved. You would think, not quite. Oh, so no. that's, that's a slight difference. So because in Webpack, you have entry points. And these entry points are assumed that you take one of them at a time. But with yes. a worker, you actually take an entry point and the worker entry point at the same time. So there's a different assumption because you can actually, between entry points, usually Webpack doesn't put common modules in a shared thing. So this is when you're using Webpack to do the, the worker magic for you. Yeah. What if you just do it separately? You've got two entry points. One well, then it doesn't worker. know that they're shared modules. Uh, or at least I haven't figured it out. Uh, so now I have put in an issue, and I'm going to discuss with the Webpack people how we can support workers. Because I feel like I want to make 2018 about workers, so we need support and tooling for that. That was very good timing, because oh, nicely done. Music to my ears. So two minutes. Two minutes, one topic that you have to explain to me. What is it? It is JavaScript symbols. Oh, boy. Go. So JavaScript symbols. They exist. They I'm do. aware. <laughs> so, so this is a, a, a kind of a new primitive type in Yes, in it is. Because they're not objects, right? Yes. So and, and it's it's a new thing where if you do type of one of these things, it comes up with symbol rather than object. Ooh. So it's a primitive, right? What what um, what why? What do I use them for? Well, so it's a way to because you can use them as object keys. So you can have you can create a symbol and all you do is just symbol. So instead of going object dot my property, I go object. Open brackets. Open and you can put a symbol in there, and you can assign stuff to it. Okay. Right? Why? And it's kind of hidden. It's not super hidden, but it's kind of hidden. And okay. It's, it's not uh, enumerable, so it's not. So it's not oh, it's not enumerable. Exactly. Okay. So if I go exactly. like um, object dot keys or whatever there the function is, it won't be listed. Yeah. And it means so we've got things like um, uh, to JSON, right? Mm -hmm. It's this sort of standard function where it will. That's how it will convert your object to JSON. Yes. And it's a pain because it's got that function can clash with other stuff yeah. that can happen. So the idea is that there will be just be this unique symbol created, and that's where you would expose that sort of stuff if we did it again now. Oh, so basically, we are using that to allow you to hook into things yes. on the platform. And that's how iterators work. It's how it right. I actually saw that. I never knew what it was. So you can make your own object, or even your own class, I guess, iterable. Yeah. By yes. using symbols. By using symbols. And they're the, the most unique thing on the platform, because if you call symbol twice, they're both unique uh, across anything, even if you give them the same so name. So every symbol, you can never recreate the same symbol unless you have the right. exact reference to it. And except if you do symbol.4 and you give it a name, then now that is oh. a symbol for that name. And that is the least unique thing in JavaScript, because that is the same value across iframes as well. And that's how iterators work across iframes too. Interesting. I wonder if I wrote a blog post about this. And that's symbols. You can't dance along to this one no, as well as the, the we, we need more rhythm in this. Yeah, oh, okay. oh, I mean, we can do the robot. If I set that off again, do you want to just beatbox? And then <laughs> we could dub that. I'll give you, I'll give you 10, I'll give you five seconds. OK, five, four, three, two, one. That was, that was bad. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of tried to beatbox, and I forgot that I'm not cool. 
So, yeah, that doesn't work. I mean, I'm not good either, but no, it was, I thought that was possible. Oh, that was pretty okay. good. We'll use that instead. Um, so, you you sent me a picture of you while <laughs> I was away. Where I looked like a beaten up boxer, basically. You did. You yes. did. And I sort of I asked well, what's going on there, and you said, save it for the podcast. We'll save it for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, so. so I mean, I, I, this has been burning in my head <laughs> since then. So, I mean, we'll, we'll post a, Should we post a picture of the picture? Uh, we, we, can, we can post the picture. I think yeah. it's, it's quite Gross. flattering. <laughs> <laughs> it needs a content warning. <coughs> describe it to, to people who are just going to listen to this, though. So, basically, imagine me yeah. with my eyeballs three times their normal size. Yes. Like. Incredibly red, and like I have cried for two hours and just <laughs> that's like not, that's like, not funny. Sorry, like, like a funny. miserable human being. So what happened was that I was on my way to California to Mountain View because we were having a team meeting and we're having a a Google-wide DevRel meeting. So not only the web DevRels but also the Android DevRels and the cloud DevRels do some you know cross-functional. Yep. Collaboration. I got out of that. I went. I yeah, you went to Singapore. Uh, I, was, I, I won. <laughs> but you know, tell me more about the meetings. This, this sounds really. I can't even tell you about the meetings because that happened. So what? I, I arrived and I got to my hotel and everything was fine and I went to bed and I woke up and I looked like that and I was oh. looking at the mirror after wiping my eyes because they were tearing up and I was thinking and there was like stuff oozing out of my eyes. So what, had you been kissing stray cats using your tongues? <laughs> like, what? what I do in my private life is my <laughs> <laughs> Well, it feels like you're making it public now. I don't know how it happened. So they, what it was in the end, I, 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 can, I, can, I can spoil it. It was pink eye. I got pink eye in both eyes for some reason. So, so hang on. Now, I, my understanding was that pink eye was this thing that was made up for like American teen dramas. I, I thought it was like, like cooties, like it was just this thing that I heard on Nickelodeon at one point and assumed it was just made up. It's real. It is a real thing. Right. I've never heard, I never knew what it was until I thought what I had in German, looked it up and and learned the translation for that is pink. I was like, oh. So it's a, it's not an imaginative name for an illness, is it? <laughs> no, you, you have pink eyes, more or less. Like right. I, my, both my eyes are very pink. You should do that for more illnesses, really. You should like... <laughs> Green yeah. snot. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, well, wet the, nose wet, cough. the wet cough. <laughs> wet nose cough. Perfect. Um, Very descriptive. So uh, after, like, I Googled a bit and was like, you probably got pink eye. You, there's viral and there's bacterial. And so I learned. And you had diff- one in each eye. <laughs> viral here, bacterial. The thing here. is, viral was a thing. There's nothing you can do. You will just have it for two to three weeks and you will have to sit it out. Oh. But the viral one is basically you just cheering up. The bacterial one is where you have the oozy stuff, which, like, you know, Almost oh. like like pus in your eyes. That, oh, that well, it, yeah, that was a so, plus. So, hang on, you had the I had the bacterial one, the but that meant I needed antibiotics and had to go to the hospital. Oh. And I was in America as a German citizen living in the UK, mm. and it's like, how do I even? <laughs> because I don't know how the American healthcare system works. From what I've heard, it's not necessarily the most welcoming system, and I wasn't prepared to just use my private credit card to go to a hospital because it turns out that's quite expensive, allegedly. So I was very, very fortunate that my colleague Chris Wilson reminded me, like, you have travel insurance if this is a work trip. And it was. It was. And so I looked up the number 
And they're like, no worries, we got you. And, and so I was sitting there, and I was ex they got the nurse on the phone. I explained what, I got, what was happening, and she was like, yeah, that's pink eye. <laughs> Congratulations <laughs> on your first pink and eye. So <laughs> and so um, they took care of everything. They made an appointment at the nearest hospital. They sent me there. They already announced I was coming and said, he is insured. He has all the paperwork. He doesn't have to, like, pay before and it's, everything is covered. They took your eyeballs out, replaced them with Got some new ones. New ones I'm, like I'm minority <laughs> Report, yeah. Oh, I haven't watched that movie in a while. That would have been helpful. <laughs> um, the thing is, so I was sitting there and naively expecting that having an appointment means I just walk in and I get treated. So well, assuming you get appointment time. Well, they said... But you just thought you had a golden ticket? Pretty much. You just, you just walked in. Hashtag privilege. <laughs> there was a woman... Giving birth, and you were like, "Get her!" Out <laughs> well, of it was ur it was urgent. I've got pink eye. It wasn't. The, it was the urgent care department, the thing where you just the walk-in clinic, basically right. called oh, okay. urgent care in America. So I was like, "I'm." They announced me, so I can just walk in. But in the end, it was like, "You have two and a half hours of waiting time." So oh, I said, "Same sat as there, the UK, pretty except much." Except they have to get an appointment and a yeah, okay, with okay. two months ahead of time. Yeah. <laughs> um, the thing is, I couldn't see, so I couldn't really look at my phone and entertain myself. I was just sitting there. Oh. suffering and feeling sorry for myself. And that was, and I think I went to two boxes of Kleenex just wiping my eyes because they kept tearing up. And I, just, I must have looked miserable. So I, at the end, I finally had my turn. I got, I got an eye ointment. Not just eye drops, oh, but an ointment. I've had that before. And is, it's, okay, I've had both eye drops and eye ointments before. And eye drops are horrible because you can taste them. And that weirds me out. No, I've, I've never had this. I had eye drops before, and, uh, 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 and then I blinked a couple of times, and oh, that tastes go in your eye, mate. Like, oh, <laughs> that's why I didn't get better. <laughs> last time we talked about medicine, you had <laughs> proved it. You weren't really good with medicine. But, but putting ointment in your eye is no fun either. So right? she said, like, I'm going to give you eye drops and yeah. ointment. I mean, it's much more eye. effective. Oh. See, it's, it's just like if you talk about lice. Your, your head oh, starts, yeah. right? Don't, right? Don't, yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, cool. I probably just rub it around my eyes. It's going to be fine. And she was like, no, no. You put it on the eyeball. And yeah. I was like, what? But how? And it, it's not as bad as I thought it would be. Just like, you know, you pull down your eye, you put it down there in a the little pouch, and then you roll your eyeball with eyes shut, and then it's like, cool. You're done. Yeah. The thing is, so as I said, this whole pink eye thing gives you blurry vision because you're basically crying the entire time. Yeah. Side effect of that ointment that I'm supposed to take every four hours for a week. Mm. Side effect is blurry vision. So I was like, cool, I'm trading the blurry vision for more blurry vision. <laughs> You're cured. <laughs> <laughs> At least I started, stopped crying and feeling horrible. So it, it actually worked. And so I stayed in my hotel room for another day because after 24 hours, you're not contagious anymore. So I want oh. to make sure I'm not giving this to all of DevRel at yeah. Google. That would have not been Keep your cookies like, to yourself. Yes. Yeah. So I, they said, after 24 hours, you're fine. You can go back out and, and hang out with people. But I looked like a zombie. And people <laughs> at, at, at the meetings we had, I worked in, were like, mate, you, you're right? <laughs> Legit, imagine my eyes just looking like, like, like a vampire has just been resurrected. <laughs> it must have been an amazing sight. So, um, so, so you've learned now, don't clean the streets of San Francisco using only your eyelashes. That's that... what I've learned, basically. Okay, that's and good. I'm, I do not recommend doing it. So I think it was just, like, I must have picked it up on the flight and got really unlucky. And I, never, <laughs> I, I don't wish this on anyone because no, the thing is, me. at the hospital, I was thinking, of course, I'm not going to get priority because this is anything but threatening or urgent. I'm mm. just sitting here crying. But to me, 
to me, 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 it yeah. felt like the mo most horrible thing because I couldn't see, I couldn't do anything, and I was just like the helpless little guy. Were you definitely in a hospital? <laughs> I mean, could you I mean, could as you said, I have new eyeballs now, so... You might have just been in a 7-Eleven, and, uh, <laughs> and you're like, this, this, I'll this just guy's been sat there for two hours. Just pour some Diet Coke on it, mate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just give him some Vaseline, tell him it's... Tell him, it's yes, it, it, it will cause blurry vision. <laughs> Off you go, mate. <laughs> uh, Should we talk about the web? Let's talk about the web. What is new? So, I've, I've been reading up about layered web APIs. Right? Oh, that's a fancy name. This is a fancy name. It's had a few other fancy names. So by the time this goes out, it will probably have a new fancy name. But we'll put that in the show notes in case it's changed. And it's this really ambitious, kind of a little bit vague right now idea. But I'm, I'm really excited about it. All right. Um, so extensible web. It's a thing. It's a thing where we should strive to have low-level stuff, right? Start with the low-level stuff. Yes. Expose those, build things on top. Yes, rather than having sort of like a high-level feature, say, <coughs> app, cache. app cache. You see, I, I was trying to avoid app cache, because that's always my go-to example. Um, but I can't think of another one right now. I but, can think of one, but I'm not going to say it. Well, well, here's here's one. Like, if maybe if we instead of doing IndexedDB, like mm -hmm. if we were uh, just before doing IndexedDB, maybe we would say, okay, maybe we should do a byte storage on the platform, like just a way of writing bytes. Yeah, IndexedDB could be on top of that because you could build a database mm -hmm. on top of that. Mm -hmm. You could build. Mm -hmm. Uh, an SQL database on top of that. You could do an in index DB object database on top of that. Um, and then the extensible web would say, well, and later on, if we see that one of those is more popular than the other, yeah. we can go, let's make a spec for the higher level thing because we can do it faster. Yeah. Or you know, the, the code to make it happen is so large in user land that we can put that in the browser and, and you know, websites become faster and better as, as yeah. a result. So it's kind of being a little bit slow doing some of the high level stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's there's loads of high-level stuff out there, but it's hard to tell if that's, that doesn't really get like this is the thing that everyone uses. There's always a competing thing right. out there for something, so it's really hard to tell like this is what we're going to put into the platform and not this one. How do you make a decision? Right. So there's the, yeah, there's this. I think the original idea was we'd have uh, libraries uh, mm -hmm. paving the way. One would become the most popular one, and we'd just go that one. Right? jQuery. We'll write us yeah, right, and that sort of happened, right? We got yeah. query selector, query selector, all. Yeah. Uh, wish we had better names, but fair enough. Uh, but yeah, we'll just take that and we'll write a spec around it. But there's a kind of missing middle step where this stuff can really be sort of prototyped in browsers, mm -hmm. but uh, still work in other browsers and stuff. Okay, and, and that's what layered web APIs is aiming to be. Oh, so okay. One candidate for this would be async local storage. Yes. So we've got local storage. Mm -hmm. People like it, um, except browser vendors, because the performance is pretty bad, because um, it's synchronous I.O. Yeah. And doing that, managing that across tabs is weird, to say the least. Uh, and you can't use it in workers. Right. And then the next option we give developers is IndexedDB. Which is a great API. Right, which is. Oh, Slight learning curve. I still hope we can fix that API at some point. But um, yeah, it, it's it, it's a lot for mm -hmm. just async local storage. Key, key, key value store. Yeah. So the idea is that you know can can we make a, a you know sort of API uh, an async storage API that we can start standardizing, but sort of put into browsers in a way that 
you know people can use it before it's in all browsers and it so the idea so is you like, use like 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 a script well it would be using modules okay so you would import like async storage mm -hmm. from and then you get a sort of a special url oh so it would not actually be on the web somewhere it would be built into the browser shipped with a browser and you can import it Yes. So, so the, the way it would work, and uh, some of the details around that are still being figured, figured out. I should stress that this is all just sort of high-level thinking. Explainer-level maturity, yeah. right? It's, it's browser vendors all kind of playing around with this yeah. idea. We, we kind of rough agreement that this is a sort of direction we'd like to go in, but okay. still figuring out the details. So you would have like a URL like uh, STD you know, standard, um, and then like a name new scheme. thing. Yeah, a new scheme. Oh, and then that's where you would have the you know for like the standard library. So the async right. local storage would be part of it. The standard but library. What about the browser that doesn't have support for that? Right. So and then after you've named the thing mm -hmm. that you want, there's like pipe, pipe symbol or something, and okay. then a fallback URL. So it's both the thing that ships in the browser is legit a JavaScript module written in JavaScript, or yes. it could be, and so it can also be put on. A CDN or something. And that's the thing that enforces this to be high-level features, okay. because it, it must be built on top of things that are already in the platform. Okay. But it's just things that um, like people are having to import a script to do yeah. all the time uh, so frequently that it probably should be in, in the browser. Yeah. And we see that with local forage. For, yeah. uh, and, and local forage is massive. Yeah. Like it's so 40, 50 The thing that strikes you as odd, like the pipe symbol means the browser needs to understand that this pipe symbol has a special meaning. It shouldn't be the other way around, that yeah. by default, it should look like a standard import from a CDN URL. But then a knowing browser would know, oh, this is actually, well, actually, right. <laughs> this is one of those layered APIs that I have already bundled. So I'll just inject my thing instead of grabbing it from the network. And that is one of the alternate proposals as well, is to go with a, yeah, a scheme that is, I, I may be using that URL fragment as a way yeah. of, of saying this. I say those those discussions are still going on. Uh, there's kind of a debate of like whether it wants to be sort of that kind of legacy okay. or something that we sort of have from now onwards in, in browsers. So that would mean that the same module would load much more performantly in one browser than compared to another browser. Yes. How does a browser? Like, is there is, this, is there going to be guidelines how a browser decides what to bundle and what? Well, the idea is it will. So, it, although these are essentially JavaScript polyfill kind yeah. of things, they would have to have a web spec backing them. Interesting. So they would have to have. You Who know, can offer them? Anyone? Um, well, it it, it, ha it comes with the same standards that a any other web spec would have. So yeah, you can go through incubation. Oh, um, OK. So yes, you, you, you could go on to YCG and say, this is my proposal for this. Mm -hmm. But the idea is it, it would be something that's, that's written as a web spec and then has a sort of reference implementation. Um, browsers can compete on I performance see. there. But it, the idea is that So that also means you also have the same maintenance requirements on that module, more or less. Yes, yes. And it, yeah, so it would have to work as, as spec. Um, and it, it's raising some interesting challenges as well, because uh, one of the rules is that the, the JavaScript versions were the same as the you know, imported version. Yeah. Um, so the basically, what you're saying is, I thought the browser would just inject their own JavaScript version, just like you don't have to download it. I already have the JavaScript version. I was, I was saying you could all, the browser could also inject a module that is backed by C++ or whatever right. instead of being written in JavaScript. Well, so I, I guess if it's indistinguishable, it could be both. It could be either. Yeah. 
So but part of the problem, and this is uh, something that I've been on GitHub sort of thinking about. Um, OK, if I call a callback from a web standard, right, so I do some stuff, call a callback, like an event listener or something, mm -hmm. and do some more stuff. That's that straight after that callback is when microtasks are going to run. That's that's when your promises and all that <sighs> event loop. Yes, I'm talking about the event loop again. <laughs> There's some for some reason this is top of my mind right now. But if I write a, a JavaScript version of that, my stack's not going to be empty. So the microtask can't run at that point, that same point. So there's a kind of thing of like, well, how are we going to figure out a way of making the, the JavaScript run the same as the, the oh. eventual spec version, the internal version? I mean, yeah, the JavaScript version would, would have to make sure that you yield in the same way at least once in between, right? Right. So but, yeah, I see the point. It's definitely something to look out for, that because we have it right now in similar places where two things that behave exactly the same are actually slightly different when it comes to the scheduling of microtasks. Right. And so maybe we'll end up with um, that these things will behave differently forever in terms of microtasks, because they assume that they have to be JavaScript yeah. implemented. Or we end up with a JavaScript method, a DOM method, to kick off microtasks mm -hmm. at an earlier point than you usually would, like synchronously. Yeah. OK. Either one's a bit. I don't know which one's best yet. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, it's something we'll figure out. But we'll put a, a, a link to the GitHub page for that, uh, and also a link to the proposal for this async local storage, because there's yeah. some questions around the API and what it should do. Should it use async iterators, or should it just try and be as simple as async local storage? It, I, I like my async iterators. I like async iterators as well. So the, the, problem, the problem is, this is going a bit, about, bit off topic, but um, if you've got a finite list, stuff, mm -hmm. it's difficult to turn an async iterator into just an array of things. Is it? No. Yeah, yes, yes, I yes, I think so. I mean what so you would have to loop through it manually, right? You'd Wouldn't have to you wait just do volume. array from and then promise all. No, because you can't use promise all because it's not an array of array from so you use promise dot all right. in parentheses array from async iterator. Uh, no, because array.from is not going to go to the async iterator. Why not? I thought that's what it does. It takes an iterable. Yes, but not an async iterable. I thought it's just an async iterable, which basically just an iterator gives promises. No, because it. Oh, uh, it only gives the next one the first one has resolved. Yes. Mm. Ah, mm. there we go. So Interesting. So, so then an, an alternative way of de dealing with it would be to, uh, instead of returning an async iterator, is return an array of promises. Then you can just do. I see. You can, you can use for array await. async from. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and maybe that is actually something that would be useful, given that this is a little bit of a difficult case. Have a, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, an array, uh, a method that will give you uh, an array of items yeah. from an async iterator. Yeah. That's, I'll yeah. just leave an unsolicited comment on the discussion. That's that's <laughs> what we do. <laughs> so, so how how quickly are we moving on this? Um, is the web like like everyone like how how urgent does the browser vendor community think this is? Well, it, it's a way that we can start working on things like infinite scrolling lists. Like figure out an API that developers like. Yeah. Um, in, okay. in a way that sort of looks at it. It allows us to look at existing solutions to be able to build like a one solution from that yeah. without it going into the platform forever. If, because if we remove it from the platform, that JavaScript fallback is still there. That's true. So we haven't yeah. broken things forever. And that's the kind of get out. Oh, is that's if we nice. Go. That is really nice. So that's, that's If people the idea don't know about that actually infinite scrolling lists are really, really hard to do right, 
I'm going yes. to link to an article that I wrote. Oh, you found an excuse to link to your article. <laughs> that's good. Got to get those views, else we get fired, yes. right? That's right. Uh, that's the thing to worry about. Oh, so what have, what have you what have you been what have you been looking at? Um, I feel I feel like we've like we've dropped the ball on on trying to think of the 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 names of things that are going to draw people to oh. these to these videos. Because like, what so so what what have, what have we talked about so far? Let's think about it. JavaScript symbols. What um what should we call it? So so JavaScript symbols they're they're kind of should we like reference uniqueness guarantee. No, that's the wrong way. Look, that's that's it needs to be a trendy, cool. Actually, do you know what? Maybe, maybe we don't like. It doesn't have to be referencing what it is because that sort of worked for weightless CSS. It was a bit. So what oh, we just called bit. it symbol whack. <laughs> JavaScript that's number wang. <laughs> yeah, JavaScript symbol whack. That's that's what that section was about. We'll edit that into the video. That's fine. <laughs> what? So in terms of talking about. Um, uh, the the layered web APIs, it's uh, web fu web futura, web future web future web future r no no vowels allowed dot io web future dot io yes <laughs> that's that's a good one that's really gonna it's gonna get in the views if we do that that's gonna get a million views I think so with that in mind uh, what do you want to talk let's about let's talk about um, laser canvassing laser canvassing yes. Like and subscribe. <laughs> Tell me more about laser canvassing. So I have try been trying to find some side project that I enjoy, because usually I end up building web apps. And I was like, you know what? I need to find something else every now and then to build to not work on these things. So it's still remotely related to the web, but I have been looking into fragment shaders. Ah. So fragment shaders, you probably have heard of them. And yes. for the longest time of my life, I had no idea what they do. Why, because they what are, are badly named. What are fragments, and why do they need shading? Pixel coloring. Pretty much. They're, yes. they're pixel, pixel colorers. Yes. And you. Why didn't they call them that? <laughs> because back in the day, on the day of like OpenGL 1, the whole graphics pipeline wasn't as flexible. So you'd have a, a, a shader, because all it would be used for is to do shading. You have the scene. You could say, like, oh, this thing needs to be a little bit darker because it's facing away from the light. And if you want to customize right. how this shading happens, you wrote a shader. Okay. But then the graphics pipeline got more flexible, and you got vertex shader and fragment shaders. And what's happened there? It's basically an arbitrary program where, you, as an input, you get a vertex that is in your scene. And you can move it around. You can change the coordinates or other attributes. Right. Like, for example, you can say, "I want to save on this vertex that, is, that it's the color red." Something like an expando in Java. You just put arbitrary data on it, and you can just associate meaning Hang on. with that. This vertex is the color red. No, that would be a fragment. Is the color red right? On the vertex oh. level, not because you you, you oh. can attach arbitrary data to any vertex and. And so most of the right. time, you say, like, this one is the color red, because then in the fragment shader, which, as you say, is the pixel colorizer, you then read back that this pixel is between these three vertices, which have these colors. And you do the mixing, the blending of the color, and say, OK, so this pixel is a green-blue-ish So So this is, this is WebGL, right? This is, well, it's yes. OpenGL, but we'll, we encounter it in WebGL. Exactly. And what I found out that there's a whole community around sites like ShaderToy, where the only thing that you write is a fragment shader. So what ah. you get is a canvas, and you write the program in GLSL, which is the shading language. And this program will be executed for every pixel 
on the canvas. Because that's what a fragment shader does. It gets executed in parallel for every pixel. That's what makes graphic cards so fast. Right. And so the interesting thing is you have no geometry there. You don't have a 3D model that needs shading or a scene with lighting. You literally just know you have pixels. But something must be piping in like a, a value that changes time, right? And that comes well, from the Well, if you want animate, animation, sure. You don't need that if you just want to render a static image. And what they're doing right. is they're building, they're building the scene that they want to render on a purely mathematical model. And I found that mind-blowing. And this it, it reminded me, uh, and I think you mentioned this earlier, is, is that it was like the demo scene, right? I it remember is. the demo scene from like the Amiga days or like earlier yeah. uh, C64 or whatever. And, and the stuff that on Shader Toy it, is that, right? The, the Shader scene today still exists and uses exactly that, because you only need this one tool, which this one program, which is the Shader, mm. which gzips very well. And it's not that long to render incredibly beautiful and intricate scenes in 3D with camera movements, lighting, shadows, reflections, everything. And it's entirely off the main thread as well, right? Yeah. yeah. It runs on the graphics card. Right. It's a completely different device in, in that way. And they just have some really incredible ways of, of going around that. So for example, as I said, the scene is done not by defining vertices and how they're connected to define polygons, but instead saying, I want a sphere at, this coordinate, at these coordinates. Mm -hmm. And then they define a mathematical function that, at every point in space, tells you how far away is the closest object. Which, you know, in mathematics, you just take the, the, uh, the value of the vertex you want to evaluate. How far is the period away? You do the difference. You know the answer. Right. And then from there on, they basically they know, OK, so I can shoot a ray, and I can go that much forward without hitting any object, because the closest object is more than this away from my current space. And so okay. they basically do ray casting iteratively, but just walking through space step by step, figuring out how far away it is, what color the object is, how the ray would get reflected, and that way assemble the image on screen in real time. So yeah, just by yeah, so dealing with every pixel as every an individual gets ray. A, gets a ray. They walk through the scene, how would the rays get reflected and collect that data, collect it all back, and then assemble the image. And it looks amazing. And I've been just reading these comments. And I have to say, like, if you don't know the basics, you're just going to be lost. But there's a couple of really good websites that explain the basic principles, how you can have two spheres and intersect them or union them, and how that changes reflections, and all these kind of things. Because I've seen some of these demos. Because it, it's uh, on Shadow Toy, you can edit the code, right? Yeah. And because I, I don't know G, L, S, L, L. <laughs> I don't know it. So it kind of looks. A bit like C. It's it very C-like. But so I go in and I'm excited and going, "Oh, what if I change this number?" And Nothing. everything just goes black. <laughs> <laughs> Either that, or you just see mm. no change whatsoever. It's like right. very rarely <laughs> that you have like, "Oh, I can turn this knob and like the camera zooms in or something." Usually, it's like I don't see any change. What yes. does this number even do? So, and luckily, on Twitter, most of the good demos have an extraordinary amount of comments, so you mm. can try to if you take the time to read through it you will get an understanding. But I just this is just a completely different world that I suddenly discovered that I kind of want to make use of. I don't know how yet, but well, it's, it's really cool. We'll link to, uh, we'll link to a few of our sort of favorite yes, examples. if you got one. And also, there was a talk um, at Smashing Conf last week by Unicravitz and Martin Split, where they looked at a lot of the mixed blend mode stuff in, um, in CSS. Right. And then wrote shaders, wrote fragment shaders for the, the, the equivalent. Same. And for someone That's who, interesting. I really learned a lot because it was at my level, right? I, <laughs> I don't know a lot about it, and I, but I understood yeah. multiplying R, G, and B, right? Or dividing, or that sort of That's thing. That's what it boils like, down to. Even 
in on this level. That's the thing. Like it's they are all use just the basic function media, multiplying R, G, and B values. And for some reason, if you do it the, in the right order in the right way, suddenly you have 3D scenes with shadows and reflections. And it, it's amazing. Mm. Right. So I want to talk about Resize Observer. Ooh. So sometimes we talk about things that are barely things on the show. And sometimes. And this time, it's a thing that is a thing. And actually has been a thing. Well, it is. It, I just well, recently shipped a stable. Just recently shipped a yeah. stable. Yeah. yeah, resize observer. So, um, the, the observer thing is really taking off, isn't it? We're getting more of those. Uh, we should have less of those. Uh, <laughs> so, okay, okay. Sidetracked, Captain Tangent. So, <laughs> uh, there's a lot of observers that I don't know why we have them. Uh, okay. Because uh, a lot of them, it's just sort of like, this doesn't feel like an event, or, or this is batched work, or something yeah. like that. And, and the go-to has been to create an observer for it. And really, don't need that. We could just I use an I think with three observers right now. Uh, mutation, mm -hmm. resize, mm -hmm. intersection. Mm -hmm. I can also come up with three. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping to, to get one more. Um, <laughs> That's all there is. <laughs> uh, maybe there is. And, and I think the, there is sort of a little bit of agreement that at least one of those could have just been an event instead. So there's going to be more care taken yeah. in, in future of when, when we have events. Because I, I remember Dominic asking for, we should define what an observer is and when it is a good pattern to use. Yeah. I actually uh, don't know the result of the discussion, but I know there was one. <laughs> well, because one of the things we're looking at right now, Captain Tangent, is observables in... Also, yes. Uh, which we will. So, so the idea is, you know, that will go into the DOM spec, and event targets uh, will have. Uh, I mean, we talked about this in the in, in the video that comes out yesterday. Oh, excellent! Or today. Cool. <laughs> well, however, these timelines run. But yes, so the idea is you have dot on. So because we're going to have that nice convenience of observers, mm -hmm. observables, in the dot, we've now got observers and observables that are different things. And I just, how do web developers even? These days, I don't. Maybe observers should implement the observable well, interface. Well, event target is definitely going to do that. Yeah. So yes, maybe uh, observers can do the same. Anyway, just to sort of like shift the stack back to where we were, <laughs> resize observer. Now, I feel like we have a lot of observers now. Shut up! Don't, don't, no, 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 no. <laughs> the, no, we're staying on track. Stay on course. Um, Anyone who's done some work with CSS at some point uh, using uh, responsive stuff with media queries and such has kind of had the idea, huh, this media query stuff is OK. But what I really would like is mm -hmm. a way to style this element differently to how yeah. big this element is. Um, and then go on Twitter and say, hey, I've had a bright idea or file a bug about it. And I'm basically saying what I did, by the way. This is what I did <laughs> years ago. And people are like, yes. Yes, we know. Yeah, many people have had this idea. Um, CSS working group is always like, we know. Yeah, and this is this is long before I joined Google, but uh, Tav Atkins did, did. I actually ended up writing a blog post because I think he got sick of explaining it to individual people, which is a good reason to write a blog post. I think yeah. about well, the reason we can't just have um, element queries is you know because you can end up with uh, a query which changes based on width, and as a result, it changes width, and you end up in. An infinite loop, and yeah. that is bad. Because it turns out screen size can change, so it's good for media queries to rely on that. Yes. Do you know that it used to be able to? 
Um, really? Uh, it was a spec violation in Chrome and Safari where the, um, the media query was the size, uh, judged by the, the size of the sort of body, not including the scroll bar. Oh, that's how the whole yes. thing happened. So you could write a media query that did something which removed the scroll bar, but then that re resulted in it being put back on. It wouldn't infinite loop, but you would end up with a thing if you resized the browser or triggered layout. Yeah, the, yeah, the scroll bar would toggle on and off. So anyway, Captain Tangent. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm realizing I'm blaming you for this, yeah, and it's, it's like, actually it's all me. even my fault. OK, fair enough, fair enough. I feel like there are a lot of observables on the platform. <laughs> Can we create a, a three-hour version of this video? Someone needs to create one of those 12-hour videos where it is just that start of us uh, explaining <laughs> that same thing over, over and over again. It's like Groundhog so, Day for observers. Uh, yeah, I watched that film again recently. No! No! <laughs> Stop it, Surma! Bad Surma! Resize observers. Right. So a way you could sort of hack these things together is either using JavaScript like to sort of measure. Yeah, it would hook up to like the resize event and whatnot and just. Well, yeah, of the window, and then use that to measure the thing. But that was never accurate, because you were assuming that resizing the window was going to change the element. But sometimes the element can change itself. Yeah, or call get bounding client direct on every frame. Right. I've seen that. Really? I did. Well, actually, a nice hack around it is to use an iframe. And if you just put an iframe inside the element, position it absolute so it's the same size, you can then use the resize event <laughs> in the iframe. I mean, it's a really nice polyphonic. Yeah. Although yes. you're creating an iframe for every element to do this. Sure. So bad idea, right? That seems pretty bad. So there's a web standard uh, called Resize Observer, and it's stable in Chrome. Um, it's something kind of, there are, there are signals from other browsers. <laughs> it's not in other browsers yet, but it's, it's something you can use and fall back to the mm -hmm. iframe hack. Um, and it is, yeah, for an element, you just say, that element there, observe. Yeah, let me, let me know when it changes size. All right, that's cool. And, um, and that, but, so that means you can react. It's a JavaScript API, so you can react with JavaScript. Exactly. So, so, so we are back at the infinite loop problem. Well, well, well. <laughs> so here's now you've done a very good job at pretending you had no idea what a resize observer is until now. Uh, but really, turns out I wrote an article on it. You wrote an article about it. So <laughs> that's put a link, link in the description. <laughs> Um, and, and yes, the, so the infinite loop problem. Uh, so I was reading your article, and there's, you've got a section on, on, on that. Well, Do I? Uh, you've got, yeah, it's a little bit, a little bit of text on it. Um, right. uh, we should say at first is that the callbacks that you get, they run uh, after layout by default like in, in the render steps. It's Which after is RAF, exactly where you want them to layout. run, because layout just happens, so the browser knows for sure where all the elements are. Yep. And so that's just data that needs to get cached and forwarded to the callback. And if you make changes, in as part of your resize mm -hmm. observer, you are going to incur a, uh, an additional layout yes. for, for that frame. So there's a performance thing to be aware of there. Yeah, it's, and generally, um, I think it's it's very rarely advisable to change layout in a resize observer callback. There's use cases, but oh, be careful. but isn't that what you would use it for? Yeah, I would probably <laughs> scale. <laughs> Good answer. No, stick with that. Schedule a raft to change your class. Uh, well, I suppose. Okay, I suppose that's okay. You're deferring it till the next frame. So you you batch, might get one batch, frame batch being all the off. changes rather. Yeah, I mean, I mostly think people are sometimes too focused on getting it in that frame, even though you can, off, except for animations, you can often afford to just add an additional frame to. But as you point out, you can end up with then in that situation because if you change layout again, you are going to get your yep. resize observer, and there's that danger of infinite loop. But no, they thought about it. And according to Surma in the article, 
Changes will only be processed in the same frame if the resize element is deeper in the DOM tree than the shallowest element processed in the previous callback. But, Summer, this is just a selection of words. I thought I did it quite concisely. Yeah, is con actually, concise is true. Is, what I, is what? this actually what I wrote? This is actually what you wrote. I have no recollection it, of can, writing this. Can you talk us, talk us through it? OK. I'm just saying because I don't understand, so I'm taking okay, advantage so of an expert. Imagine you have an element that has children, as you know, is common, yep. and you call resizeobserver.observe on this element. On, 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 the, on the parent. Yeah, on the big. All right, element. all right, all right. That means whenever this element changes size, you will get a callback, and you can react to it. Cool. Excellent, yep. So now let's assume you also call another resizeobserver.observe on one of the children. OK, because as a result of the parent changing size, the children could change could size. Could change size, so, and right, you okay. want to be notified about both. So both resize observers would fire their callbacks, and you would get notified. Right. Let's assume, and the third thing, that in one of the children's callbacks, I change the parent's size. It's JavaScript. That's possible, right? I can just change anything in the gotcha. DOM. And it could even be done implicitly by changing the size of the child, which would Potentially, push the, if, the, if it's the just text flow parent. or just append some text. Right, OK. The parent could suddenly grow, and then Technically, the outer, the bigger result observer from the outer element would have to fire again, and the smaller one probably as well. And then it could same happen again and again and again. Leap. And how we break this loop is with the rule that resource observers, all the resource observer, will fire in the same frame before layout. And if right. you change within the same frame, they will also fire within the same frame unless the change has been made to an element that is at the same level or higher up in the DOM tree. So, so it's like, in, in terms of how we talk about events capturing, it's yeah. sort of It's, it's reverse bubbling. Yeah, capturing. So, yeah. That's, that's the, uh, so that's the direction it goes. So it can only, you can only have multiple invocations of your callbacks downwards of the tree. But if, you, if some of them that are high up in the tree would have to refire, that would be delayed until the next frame. So what you're saying is that the, the, the change is only processed in the same frame if the, the resized element is deeper in the DOM tree yeah. than the shallowest element processed in the previous callback. That's exactly what I'm saying. Right. And that's also exactly that what I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense now. It's perfect. You should, you should have put that in the article like you did. I, was, I think at the end, I, uh, I think I remember writing this article, and there were lots of things changing. And so I got a bit annoyed, because I, was, I think I was working on animation. And I, at the end, I was like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> Just copy and paste that from the spec. Job done. We've all done it. It's OK. We have all done it. Um, so yeah, that is how we are basically breaking the loops. And I think I actually saw someone on Twitter that since we had the announcement that they are now unstable, um, that people are now working on like media um, element query kind of polyfills for CSS, because oh. now we can kind of implement them efficiently, right? Interesting. That's good. I like that. Yeah. It makes it a lot easier. That was a good high-pitched noise as well. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that I'm really hoping where this can be used is um, the picture elements. Because picture element you can is mostly used to, so to offer the same image in multiple formats. But it actually also has a syntax to say, use this image if you have this amount of space and use a smaller resolution if it's smaller. Yes, but that's the, the sizes and Exactly. But these queries, again, are for the viewport size not the size yes. of the element. So if you, for example, on mobile, you have the element stretching the entire viewport. Mm. But on desktop, you want to just use the intrinsic natural size of the image. 
these syntaxes are not going to be helpful at all. So I think this is where right. a recent observer would be super helpful. We can say, if the amount of space the image gets is bigger than 500 pixels, use the full resolution. If it's smaller, use half resolution. These kind of. OK, it'd be an interesting trade off that, because you've got this. Because the reason the picture element has that stuff now, or the image element it, it also has it, is it, it's, it's got that mapping of when the window is this size, the image will yep. be this size, and so on and yeah. so on and so on. And the thing that allows it to is it allows that image to load before the CSS. True. So, but but I, I, would, I would rather take the medium, the medium approach, where I just embed like a 3 by 3 pixel blurred version, show that as a placeholder, right. and then wait for layout and see what size do I actually need on this device for the screen to show the best quality while saving the most amount of bytes that I can. And certainly for images that are below the fold. You know, yeah. Or further down the page, Definitely. Say. Yeah. That's, that, that's a good option. Right. Well, yes, I like it. I think we should keep it in the browser. And I think other people mm -hmm. should implement it. That's, <laughs> us. that's us doing advocacy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, like other people should. <laughs> <it>, please. So <laughs> the, um, we didn't give that. We didn't give that a trendy weightless CSS name. Oh. Did I? Did I? Did, Is um, it um, uh, like layout enhancer? Layout enhancer. That's. I think I get a lot of emails about that to my spam folder. <laughs> Your layout um, is going to be ten centimeters longer. <laughs> uh, enhance your layout. Right. Well, I, I think that's. I think we've talked about enough stuff. We really have. We've got. The, we've already had the warning that the recording equipment is by the people its... who are not here because this is a real cafe. It's a real cafe. Yeah, of course. Well, it doesn't matter for the podcast. We can be anywhere. So it could be space in space. <laughs> <laughs> well, OK. Now, when we do the two-minute segments, I want that as the noise. <laughs> you just going, space. We're going <laughs> to cut it out, give it to you as an audio file. So you can put it yep. on your phone for the timer. Yep, yep. <laughs> and then, but that means like three episodes down the line, we are going to get a lot of questions. It's like, why does why does the phone go? And I don't care, because as we've said before, we only care about the hardcore fans who listen to every episode. Yes. And the Easter eggs at the ends, we sometimes hide that people have us never called out. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, yeah we, we want to end up with like 1% of listeners by the end, because it's, it's a long podcast, isn't it? So, uh, But yeah, all we really care about is those views. That's it. Or listens. And, or, or listens, views, listens. Yeah, it's, it's, all, it's all the same to us when it comes to keeping our jobs. Numbers. We just need big numbers. So yes, um, so that is, that is what I would say to listeners, is just uh, remember the plight of your uh, fellow DevRels. Uh, hundreds of Please. DevRels across the world are suffering with low video counts, uh, just in the mere hundreds. So think about them and click through to the next video. <laughs>